Hello. How's it going? Hello. It's good. How are you? How's your day? It was it was um a little bit chaotic, I guess. Oh no. Um I mean I felt like, you know, at the beginning of the week I looked at my to-do list at work and I was like a little bit overwhelmed because I just felt like I had all these giant projects that they went so smooth. I got them all done. I felt like my day was trucking along. I'm on head of schedule. I sit down to eat lunch because I work I work at home. I sit down to eat lunch. I let Gunner outside. Gunner's our dog. He's a two-year-old black lab. And he just has like we have like one of those invisible fences and but his collar has been like on the fritz lately so he has been going on these little adventures like to our neighbor's house which is like normally he doesn't go more than like 20 or 30 feet from like our house not because he doesn't have more room but because he's just like he keeps like a solid 60 foot perimeter from like the line where his collar would like beep him and send him back. Right. Um, So he's been like going on these little adventures. So I let him out. I'm eating lunch. And then I like hop on this meeting. And in the middle of the meeting, I'm like, where's Gunner? I think I forgot him outside and he was gone. Like (gasps) I like, you know, walked around and obviously like being on an acreage, like the there's a little bit of ground to cover. And so I like called and I walked around and I waited a couple minutes and it was clear that he wasn't just being like a ding dong hiding somewhere else and just right. like ignoring the like call to come home. Um, so he took himself on a little adventure. He was gone for like 45 minutes oh. while I canvassed the neighborhood <laughs> calling <laughs> for him. And then I returned home and he's just like sitting on the front porch waiting to be let in like like nothing happened. Why, why aren't you here to let me in? Where were you? <laughs> but he went like a few houses down and he went down into their like creek and um, like into their woods. And Oh, no. Just, and he came home super. I was going to say, was, was like, he smelly? Yeah, like shit smell. <laughs> and so he, had to, he, had, he then earned himself a bath, which he's not very uh-huh. – so that was kind of the pits because it was um, very cold out <laughs> to yeah. walk around and look for him. And it started to get to the point where I was panicking a little that I'm going to have to tell my kids I lost our dog. Um, but the peaches for the day, I met with my mindset coach, Melissa Bloom, and I've been meeting with her for like a year. And she's just like the most calming like calming, grounding, joyful force in life. And I just love, I just love meeting with her. Mm-hmm. And oh, and then breaking news, <gasps> my peaches coming into this, I just heard that Fallout Boy is releasing a new album this summer. What? And I am so, I am so excited. We, not only do we get a new Matchbox 20 album, right? Fallout Boy. I mean, it's been like years since either of them have released music. And so I feel like this summer has a lot of potential for like good music release. Good music. So I'm pumped about that. Yeah. I'm super pumped about the um, Matchbox 20 concert this summer. I mean, we've only been waiting for three years. Right. Right. <laughs> so I, know. I am also very excited. Have you seen them live before? No, I haven't. Oh my gosh. I, I've seen them one other time at Stir Concert Cove. It wasn't actually that long ago. It was like within the past like five years, probably five, mm-hmm. six years. Um, 
And Sturkov, you know, is outdoor. Right. But the night that they were performing, there was like awful storms. So they just moved everybody into the like indoor arena that's right next to oh, Sturkov. Fun. And because Sturkov obviously like doesn't have assigned seats, like you didn't have assigned seats going into the concert arena. And so I was like fifth row ground floor, like just oh my standing gosh. like within arm's reach of like Rob right. Thomas and it was the most amazing. I mean, at one point Eric wasn't there with me anymore. Like my coworkers weren't, I was just You're by just myself and I did live in your care. best life. It was amazing. <laughs> They're so great. I'm so pumped. Oh, I know. I'm so excited. Yeah. My peaches, well, I'll start with my pits. So my pits were, um, I mean, I slept literally all day. So like my pits kind of wraps into my peaches because my peach is, I just took a me day today and I hadn't been feeling well the last couple of days. I could tell my body just needed like a solid reset. And so I got a full night's sleep last night after we were done recording. I went to bed, got like a normal, like seven, eight hours of sleep. I got up, I helped get the kids out the door, um, and then I went back to bed and I slept until 2.30 this afternoon. Oh, my God. Yeah. So clearly you like really I needed so a reset. I so needed the reset. Mm. And so I don't know if it was – yeah, I don't, I don't know what it was. So like yeah. my pits is like literally nothing got accomplished today. Like work personally. Like I didn't even wake up to use the restroom once. <laughs> <laughs> So, but it was obviously very needed. So it's like, yeah, I don't know that you could call being unproductive your pits because I think that like, clearly you needed a full day, like a full day of rest. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I, I think you deserve a pat on the back for taking it and doing it. Good job, you. Thank you. But yeah, and then this evening, what? Does Mavis snuggle with you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's like the best snuggler ever. And so she's generally at my feet when we sleep Mm. overnight and then also during the day because she has no kids here to play with and Jesse's working. (laughs) So, yeah, it was great. Oh, that sounds delightful. That sounds delightful. All right. I I wanted to remind you of the story. For Spitfire shenanigans. This is one of my favorites. I know. Okay. So Caroline and Nora, like we've said before, have a whole lot of personality in these two tiny little bodies. Um, and we had them over at our house playing one time. Um, they had a sleepover. So in the morning, they were obviously like not on their A game. But they were, <laughs> I mean, they were, they were hanging They were holding in. it together. Yeah. The train was still um, mostly on the tracks. Yeah, yeah, So this was shortly before lunchtime, I think. Um, at this point, it was very clear that they were just full out fighting. Nora was on the stairs um, crying. And Caroline was in the oh. living room, but not crying, just pouting. Right. Um, and I walk in and I'm like, hey, girls, what's up? And... Nora goes, I'm sad. Caroline made me sad. 
because I want to play Barbies and she doesn't. And I'm like, okay. So Caroline being in the living room is overhearing this conversation and yells, well, you're making me sad too. (laughs) No crying, no nothing. And so I'm like, okay, girls, like you only have about an hour left. So let's like maybe get together. And one of them, I can't remember who said, let's just not be sad. And it was like, okay, done. Switch flipped. They were back to playing and doing their, their thing. But I love that they just decided in that moment, like, all right, together, we are not going to be sad. And that is how all problems should be solved. We're together and we're just not, we're just not. We're not doing it. We're not doing it. But yeah. Gosh. If only they, they could make that decision, you know, when they're like losing their shit over folding the laundry, they could be like, oh. let's just not be upset about this. Yeah. Yeah. It does not work when I'm like, hey, let's just not be sad or let's just not be a jerk or let's just not be frustrated. It doesn't work that way, unfortunately, when they right. respond to us. But yeah. So tell me about Eric and his partner praise. Um, well, I will say, so I called him like it ties into my pets because I called him after like 20 minutes when it was like very clear that Gunnar was not home and he did <laughs> leave a meeting <laughs> to come home, which I then like canceled and he was like en route and I was like, never mind. He came home. We're fine. Um, but he smells like a butthole. Yeah. And so... Yes. So I was like, and he was like, are you sure you're not upset? I'm like, I'm not upset. I'm just flipping annoyed that I like had to walk all over the neighborhood looking for my dog who like very clearly knows he's not supposed to leave. Um, And then he called me back and I forget why he called me back. And he is like, well, what are you doing right now? And I said, well, Gunner rolled in some shit smelling mud so I'm going to take him up to Pets Earth and mm-hmm. they have those like self-wash stations. I was like, I'm going to go – I need to go wash him. So he was like, I will come home. And I was like, no, I feel bad. It's really – it's not a lot. <laughs> you know, it's just like a little patch of mud. But right. it just but- makes you want to vomit because it yeah. smells so bad. And he was like – he was like, no, I'm coming home. He goes – I can't really let – it's not very often I can just, like, leave and come and help. So, like, let me do this. So he came home and um, took Gunner and washed him and made him smell much more delightful than easily. Yeah. Well, awesome. he arrived home. <laughs> so he smelled like flowers when he arrived. Yes. 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 Well, that's good. That's yeah. good. My – yeah, so Jess, um, this week, because I haven't been feeling good, he has been just planned all of our meals all week long. I have put 100% zero effort into feeding anyone this week mm-hmm. other than myself occasionally. And he just, like, like even without, like, checking in, I mean, like, hey, like, do you want me to do this? Or like, right, he's just right. been doing it. And it's been so nice to just like have that completely out of my brain. Yeah. And not worrying about it, especially since I wasn't feeling good. 
Yeah. So that's awesome. I way love to go. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, what are we do- what are we talking about tonight? Today we are talking about the programming between genders, how we were raised, yeah. um, and why what how we were raised to be women and raised to be men and what that looks like um, between the two sexes and um, how it affects the mental load. So all of this really just says that from an early age, that women's worth and our value comes from the house we keep and the kids we raise. And boys and dads are taught that their job is as soon as they provide shelter and money for their family, then they're good to go. It's mm-hmm. And so these gender norms are now hurting millennial moms because while that may have looked okay 40 years ago yeah. and it made a little bit more sense from an economic standpoint, now so many of us are working outside the home. Right. And so where now what? Now, so what do we do? What does it look like? What does it look like at your house where, cause I have like a very clear, like I see this perfectly in kind of the way like our day-to-day life plays out. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious like what it looks like from your guys's household perspective. So I have made, this is something that I was always very conscious of. And I think it's because I grew up with divorced parents And so I saw my mom, who had um, custody of us most of the time, literally doing everything always Mm -hmm. by herself Mm -hmm. because she didn't have anybody else. And so going into my marriage, this was something that, like, I was aware of and I didn't want it to be a thing. Not realizing it, it's actually still a thing because it's so indoctrinated Mm -hmm. into us as just humans. Yeah. Um, So I would say that the division of our household is split up less with gender and more with preference, but it still falls along the gender line pretty clearly. Um, Food is like meal preparations is, I would say, pretty dang close to 50-50, but it does take lots of conversation. But we both are really great about going to get groceries. We're both really great about making the decisions for meals. Um, as far as who's doing the cooking, it actually falls on Jesse a lot because of the fact that he works from home and I commute. And so it just makes sense for him to start right, right. supper before. Get it and, yeah. Right. And so I would say that the, the meals feeding food um, is pretty split. But other than that, it's very like the physical, demanding chores mm-hmm. are the mostly his. Yeah, yeah. Mostly his and the other stuff is mine. Yeah. What about your guys' house? Yeah. I mean, I think ours is probably pretty similar. I mean, I, I feel like, like looking back and thinking back on my childhood growing up, like my dad did all the grocery shopping and he did a lot of the cooking. Um, but I think that's kind of where it stopped in terms of like, you know, like things that maybe were not so like, this is stuff that 
women do and this is stuff that men do. Um, and I think it is like I, – I would say our house is very much the same. Like we – there are some things like the meals that we split and we like share responsibility for. But then like kind of like indoor, indoor stuff. So anything yeah. that belongs inside the house. Right. Including the things that live in it <laughs> tend to fall like – tend to fall to me and then like the outside stuff mm-hmm. tends to fall to Eric. Um, I have like offered to, you know, cause we have like an acre and a half. And so I have offered to help mow. Um, but he really enjoys yard work and like, doesn't want to share that. Um, and that's okay. The one time I like mowed one little spot of our yard, because he didn't get it to finish it. He was sort of like home for like a day in between work trips and he just didn't mm-hmm. get to it for some reason. And I was like, oh, it's like on the straight part of our yard. I can do this. And we have this zero turn mower. And long story short, it basically looked like a drunk person mowed our lawn. Because <laughs> 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 the zero turn mower is like so twitchy. So I, you know, it's. You try. It is. I did try. And I mean, it did get done. It just wasn't in straight lines. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. <laughs> no, but I like, I do feel that like there is sort of this like second shift feel to what moms do. Yes. And then, but there is like this clear, like dad comes home, kicks his shoes off and he's like, all right, I'm going to take 20 minutes to like go scroll through my phone and like sit in mm-hmm. the bed and that is not like the same life that I tend to lead on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would agree with that. So going back to like what we were taught. So women generally are taught that like I, like we were saying, our self-worth comes from the house we keep and the kids we raised um, and that we're taught to be caregivers. Therefore, mm-hmm. when we go to prioritize our day, caregiving ranks higher because we've been taught that giving care is how we are judged and where our value lies. Um, And so some other things I really like this. So when we were looking through the topics and whatnot and how generally speaking, boys and girls were raised this nice versus kind concept which yeah. I've always, like, I've never been able to, like, really articulate it because it's a conversation I have a lot with my girls, mm-hmm. um, mostly because my boy is three and is just a honey badger all the time. <laughs> right. Oh, so, it's just because it's not, like, an age conversation <laughs> yet. But, like, what is nice and what is kind? And so um, being nice is when you're polite to people and treat people well. Where being kind is when you care about people and show them that you care. So mm-hmm. you can be nice without being – like, they, they, they aren't interchangeable things. And we're right. taught as women from a young age to be nice. And yeah. nice means we're avoiding confrontation and we're just mm-hmm. making sure that everybody – is we don't rock the boat. Yeah. 
we're going to rock the boat, everybody's comfortable, where really we sh- humans should be kind regardless of their gender, which is more about caring for people and showing them that you care, but can also occasionally feel uncomfortable. If you are rocking the boat, um, if you're saying, hey, like, I need you to do this and not this because I care about you and those types of things. And so I, I love that I was able to dig in deeper with that nice versus kind, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. just space. Confrontation. Go ahead. There's this concept. So I, I like this you know, nice beat versus kind or not verse, but like the difference between being nice and being kind because because nice just leads, I feel like made me like a doormat, right? Like I think I'm, I think naturally I have a people pleasing kind of tendency and personality to Mm -hmm. begin with. And like you compound that with the expectation and like it just, you know, like there's so many, like my internal dialogue is drastically different than like what people hear yes. on the outside, you know? And um, I I always joke that like Nora is sort of like my inside voice on the outside because she, <laughs> <laughs> because she doesn't, like she is not a doormat and she, yeah. like she speaks her mind and she like, she like speaks her truth and just like is very comfortable being in it. I see a little bit of it changing in now that she's in school. And Mm -hmm. so I wear like, you know, I, I really do try to encourage her to like, hold on to that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Even if it's it's sometimes damaging to me. (laughs) But it's going to benefit her in the long run. It is going to benefit her in the wrong run long run. So I, I roll with it. Um, but the kind thing, it reminds me of this concept that I read. Um, Cheryl Sandberg is not necessarily like somebody that I follow super closely, but I think this is like a concept. Um, I know I've heard her talk about it. Gary V has like a spin on it as well. Um, so I think Cheryl Sandberg calls hers radical candid, um, being radically candid and Gary V is, um, kind candor, but essentially like the premise is the same where it's like, I am honest with you and I know that you can handle it because you know that I care about you. So like yes. on a day-to-day, day-to-day basis, I demonstrate how much I care about you. And so like you are secure in that idea. And so then when it comes time to give you like uncomfortable feedback or to speak up for myself or put a boundary in place or, you know, you know, give you like constructive criticism, it's like you don't need to take it personally because you know it's just coming from a place of heart and I don't need to worry about that. Like I don't need right. to, I don't need to try to regulate your reaction to it. I can also be like secure in the fact that like, you know, that I know we care, you know, like we all care here. Right. Right. No, I love that. So I think it's something that I like started using when I was 
like a young manager and I feel like it, I feel like, you know, it kind of slips over into like your personal life too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I would say that I'm, I was far more doormatty in my twenties than I was in my thirties or than I am in my thirties. Um, and I think that's just kind of something that you learn along the way. And if you have those people in your lives that can really like feed that seed early on is going to be like best case scenario. Because side note, can- side note question on yeah. like this. So I do feel like I have grown into my own a little bit as well in my 30s. However, it doesn't ever show up with my family. Like I am still as, you know, uh, I'm still like the peacekeeper and I am still the like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just not, I don't know that it's ever going to change. And I don't know, maybe it's because my family is like so strongly opinionated and, um, like their East Coast roots sort of sometimes make them lack tact (laughs) where I'm like, it's just easier not to say anything. Or if, you know, because like I've got friends, friendships where like I, you know, put stuff in place all the time and I don't feel bad about it. Right. But mm, family dynamic. Mm -mm. I would say that I probably wear softer gloves when dealing with my family Um, but me and my siblings and my mom in particular, like, aren't really afraid to say like, I can't do that. You're asking too much of me. Mm. And like, we have this understanding of like, that's allowed and nobody's going to get their panties in a knot over it. Yeah. But I'm not sure I could say the same about moving from like my nuclear family to other family members. Mm. If... I could say the same thing because I probably am. No, I do use softer gloves when I'm speaking to like my in-laws or family that I'm not as close to. Right. That is interesting. Yeah. No, I. Self-reflecting on that. No, I would, I would say that like I a hundred percent, even as like, a 35-year-old woman with three children, like nothing makes me feel like my 17-year-old self more than just like being stuck in like a family, like an uncomfortable family dynamic where you're just like, oh God, make this stop. That is so funny. Yeah. I think it really just has to like, it has more with like what you're willing to give, put up with type. I think it's all like really like Mm. personally defined. Yeah. It's never, I think it's not a lot of it is bad. Like, um, you know, there's stuff where you're just like, sometimes you're like, that's just like too much, you know, but Mm -hmm. it's like so hard to like put that boundary in place. But then I think also like, I think a lot of the women in my family sort of also have like the same disposition, you know, like we are all trying, like you can hear it in our conversations, like when we're coordinating like 
holiday things or something, like everybody is trying to make sure that everyone else like feels okay, Mm -hmm. you know? And so then you never really know, like, I think we've like kind of sort of gotten better at being like, oh, that just really doesn't like work for me and my family. Like my mom used to, um, I don't know if it's like an East Coast thing or like where this comes from. I've always found it so bizarre, but like we'd be like, okay, well, family lunch on Sundays. And she'd be like, great, we'll eat at two. And I'm like, what? Two? That's like not lunch or dinner. <laughs> like, But we went along with it for like years because we were just like, okay, well, if that's what works for you. And uh-huh. then like, I think, I don't know if it was like, it was like in recent history, in modern history within the past year or two. Like she threw something out and finally I was just like, yeah, that doesn't work for us. I was like, I'm not, we can't eat at two. I said, we need to eat between 12 and one, one being the absolute latest because I have three young children who eat four breakfasts just to make it the three hours in between <laughs> breakfast and lunch, you know? Like, right, right. So, so asking them to finish breakfast by even 11 a.m. and then ask them to wait until two or, you know, that's a little, okay, 10 a.m. and then asking them to wait. I'm like, it's in the middle of nap time for the youngest. Yes, I was going to say nap time for the youngest for sure. Um, And also I was like, and just for me personally, like, what the fuck am I going to do with two o'clock? You know, (laughs) like (laughs) – I was like, I can't eat lunch. So by the time I get to you, like, and we, you know, we drive an hour um, to get to family lunch. And so we all show up hangry, which is not anybody's best look. Yeah. Yeah. And then also like I've eaten from, I've eaten my full meal from like two to three. And so then at eight o'clock, I'm like, I should eat this whole pizza because I am fucking starving. (laughs) Because I'm starving. Because I ate, you know, because like I basically combined my lunch and my dinner at this light. So it's so funny because like we finally, like I finally was just like, yeah, that's not going to work. I think I might have been like in a shitty mood that day. I mean, I didn't say it. I didn't say it like that. And of course my mom was like, oh, oh yeah. Why didn't I think of that? Like there was. Right. She was totally not like. It was a non-issue. It was a non-issue. It had only been an issue in my head, you know, and then my cousin also like chimed in and was like, oh yeah, it really doesn't work for us either. (laughs) But like we had all just been going along with it because we didn't, we want to be nice. Yes. When like really the kind thing would have been. The the better play. To just say like, hey. (laughs) You know, lunch between 12 oh and 12.30 works best for our family. Yeah. Yeah. We have diabetics on our side. So like oh. family lunches are noon because otherwise yeah. the diabetics start to lose their minds. <laughs> and so, nobody needs that. Nobody needs yeah, that. Yeah. So nobody yeah. messes around with the diabetic. I think I think what it what it must have come from is like when her and her siblings like grew up going like her family was Catholic. And so they grew up going to like Sunday morning mass. And then there was like, and it was from like small, you know, like they're all Italian and like the town they grew up in is a lot of like Italian um, immigrant descendant families. And so they would 
you know, like there was, I think just, it was a longer like church day. And so then yeah. I think, and she said before that, like, you know, everybody, once they got done, like cleaning up the church hall and doing all the stuff and the things after the like right. church deal, then they would go back and like start cooking another meal at my grandma's house. And then everybody right. would just sort of like come throughout the day. And so I think it just, I that like, that's probably like where it came from. And like, yeah, Again, I like mean, makes- nobody thought to just be like, that doesn't actually like work for our current situation. Could we yeah. change that? It's because we're programmed to put mm-hmm. others' needs before our own. Right. That's how right. we're like, and so here we are in a circle of women, in your case, <laughs> all trying to be nice and mm-hmm. all putting your needs above the others. And it, just, and it turns out that two o'clock was actually the worst of the times. Everybody else was feeling the same thing, but nobody was willing to say it because we've been programmed to be nice. And, um, and that kind of leads into like our tone of voice. Like Mm -hmm. we want to make sure that we are not ruffling any feathers and that we're sweet and we make suggestions and we don't demand because if we ask for something, then we're seen as aggressive and this is right. even worse for women of color who are mm-hmm. labeled as angry black women if she speaks her mind. And so, I mean, the whole nice thing is it, it goes into so many different directions. Um, and so then one of the other things um, that women are also taught with kind of that caregiver piece is that our time and our work is less valuable than what men can contribute. And this is seen both at home and in the office Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, where the housework isn't nearly as important as the man going and drawing his designs in an architecture firm because that provides money. Like it has a, it's a very transactional process where the work, the behind the scenes work, it's not right. nearly tangible. It's not a direct exchange of product and payment. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like we're the essential workers. Of, yes. The pandemic. <laughs> households. You know, like, you know, you think about during COVID, how many of us were like, you know what, we take for granted, like all these people who come and work at the grocery stores and our gas yeah. stations. And, you know, the, my cousin works for his city, like waste department. And he's like, you know, where would we have been if like the waste department had stopped coming around and like collecting our trash and like, right. you know what I'm saying? Like we, yeah. kind of, we like, you know, we as a society tend to look down on like trade jobs as mm-hmm. you know less skilled or whatever. And um then all but all of a sudden, like when something like COVID happens, you recognize like, oh, our world doesn't keep turning if these things without these people happen. Like yeah. and th- those don't happen without these people. These are critical people. Yes. And and so it's it's almost like, you know, when we value women's work inside the home, we're like the essential workers. Like if 
we don't plan the meals or if we don't have a backup in case you forget to plan the meal. Right. Because it's the (laughs) – Turns out nobody's going to eat. We're going to spend more money on McDonald's Happy Meals. (laughs) If I don't set my alarm to wake everyone up. Right. No one's fucking Nobody going gets to or work on time. Nope. Nope. And so it's, I mean, it's just all of that like background stuff that isn't a ve- like, isn't this tangible, giftable yeah. little package. Um, and so one of the things um, when I was prepping for the episode um, was this, was this, uh, excerpt from an article that said women are often seen as multitaskers as part of their personality. However, if being a multitasker was a personality trait, we would see it spread across everyone, both genders. But as it stands, women's are women are the ones that are being assigned this label. So I I was just like it was one of those like moments where I was like, yeah. duh, like yeah. It makes we're, so much we're sense. We're multitaskers because we have to be, not right. because it's like our personality. Right, right. Which I, I, I think just there's thought... actual scientific evidence that says like you shouldn't multitask because you just do a worse job at both of them. Yeah, no, there absolutely is. At a time, but. Yeah, yeah like the... our brain actually multitask. Mm-hmm. It can jump very, very quickly, but like our brains can't actually do two tasks right at the it's same like that, time it's like that meme where um it says like I started like you know cleaning cleaning the kitchen and then I jumped to the laundry and then I went to this and this and this oh, and now yeah. here I am looking at my high school photos yep yep <laughs> yeah. like yes that is or you do that, that for is. three hours and everything's only a quarter cleaned Right. Because that, I mean, that's like literally how I clean, which it, I need that for my own like brain space. Like I just, I have to jump around otherwise I'll get bored. But I think, yeah, multitasking is not a personality trait. It's not something you that we're, you heard it here. And we, we are credible, credible people. So then let's jump to men. So men are programmed that their worth is providing for their families. And once that's, once all of those jobs are complete, then they deserve to be cared for and taken care of. And so they're taught from an early age that they should be the breadwinner and that they should be the protector of their family um, and that their jobs are more highly valued than women's jobs and that um, emotions are weak. And so that results in men who can't articulate emotions and they can't figure out that now they're stuck in this place where they're adults and they have to navigate emotions, but they've been told to like stuff them down, deep Down. down. And so it's this completely unfair place for them to be because they're completely disconnected because they don't know how to feel because they were taught that you shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we've had this conversation many times and I don't know why, like I have 
like one of the nights when the girls are doing hip hop last year, like stuck in my head, I can still like visualize where we were like sitting, sitting. in the in the lobby. Studio. And it's it's sort of like as like for our generation in particular, for women, we have sort of like our eyes have been opened and we kind of see this like sort of next phase of caretaking, right? Where we're like focus, focusing on treating our children with like emotional IQ and helping them learn emotional mm-hmm. needs and like expression and all of that stuff. And I think we look at our kids a lot differently than like our parents. And I'm sure this happens with every generation, right? Absolutely. Like, yeah. you know, um, but we are kind of in this generation where we want our boys to learn and understand their emotions. Mm-hmm. And then like we're stuck with like our husbands who are kind of like straddling through no fault of their own, straddling this like line where, you know, they were taught to bury their feelings, but now they're mm-hmm. married to women who are like, please tell me your emotions. <laughs> Let's and do some digging, big guy. You know, let your kids have them and embrace their emotions. And they're like, you know, it's got to be exhausting oh, to, on their end to feel the like, to feel that tension because the, yeah. I mean, I, well, I, should, I don't know. In our household, it ends up feeling like tension, yeah. um, you know, because we're sort of like dragging them along. Like, come right. on, like, why can't you, why can't you get past this? But it's so difficult to unlearn like a lifetime of lessons. Right. Absolutely. And because we're the ones that have opened our eyes, so to speak, and we're trying to teach all of this emotionalness to our children and how to regulate themselves and identify emotions. And they have one parent who is doing this and doing it well, because we were allowed to have all of our emotions and identify them and talk about them. And then they have a dad who is trying, but not terribly good at it. And mm-hmm. so he just then defaults back to mom and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's okay. Well, whatever you say about the kids is, is right. Like yeah. I wasn't taught to do this. So like, you're right. Mm-hmm. Always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's a really like unfortunate position to be in, you know, like it's, And I know this, like, I know this extends out. I mean, I, you see it play out even like in kind of like in our court system, even when there are times when like the father provides like the more stable household, Mm -hmm. our society still defaults to the mother, even, you know, like, and it's, it's an uphill battle for Mm -hmm. in those instances for those men to be like, no, this is, I, I don't know. She she's not the best option for this child. Right. But that like as a society and you know and you see that like trickled down into then like, you know, on a much less severe scale or a much, much less um I don't want to say important. That's not the word that I am looking for. Um but on a less serious level, you see it come into, you know, when like like you were saying, you know, that like our husbands will be like, well, 
I mean, yeah, you probably you probably know what they're like feeling or right, right, or more. So I guess I'll just I'll just defer to you, and yep. that creates um an a tricky dynamic to navigate because then it's then too on our side of things. I know it's difficult for me to like to like let go of that rightness, you know. So right. like when I see you know, when I see like Eric and Hudson starting to like, you can see the water starting to boil and you can tell that like, this is going to escalate into like an argument of some kind. It's hard to, and it's something that causes a lot of tension and I have to like actively work on like not interfering. Always always interfering and not always being like, I can very clearly, even if I can clearly see what's going on from the outside, I have to actively like work on, um, how to, like how to, how to, how to um, best be that role without being, yes. How to, how to kind of like step in, you know, it's a very, like, it is probably one of the things that, like when we argue, this is one of the things that we argue. And like, I am very much aware of it, but you see it happening. And like, you just, again, because we've been programmed that this is like where our value comes from is like these kids and how they, they turn out. And so then like, I think you feel like so incredibly invested that. Absolutely. It, you know, can end up causing tension between well, and it's a lose-lose then situation right. because it's not allowing our husbands to make mistakes and learn from them. Right. But we also don't want our children to be hurt by something that their fathers just don't know. But mm-hmm. then we also don't want to hurt our partners because we're jumping in and saying, no, no, you you guys are doing this all wrong. <laughs> not going mm-hmm. <laughs> to And so it's just like this vicious, like we need to somehow just like completely cut away all of those naturally pulled strings and figure out a way to do it as effectively as possible, as possible, knowing that there's going to be trips and bumps along the way. Mm -hmm. 100%. So um, a group looked at – a group of researchers looked at um, these young men for that was um, like our like younger early twenties, yeah. Um, and they all support. They all were like, "Yeah, we support gender equality." Like that, like mm-hmm. duh, that makes sense. But yep. they, but they still had these like traditional ideas about gender roles and continued mm-hmm. to to explain that men are the breadwinners and protectors and that women are the caregivers and felt that societal attitudes really haven't changed much. So it's like everybody recognizes this problem, but they're like, we don't really know how to fix it. So we're just going to keep on keeping on. <laughs> okay. We and still got to so, keep moving people. So. Right. Right. And so one of, so breaking this down into different little pieces to tackle the bigger problem is mm-hmm. one of the ways that we rein- reinforce the gendered behavior um, is by focusing on economics. If one partner earns more money than the other, 
We tell ourselves that the partner who earns less or works fewer hours has more time for household work. Sure, that makes sense in theory. However, that's not what's actually happening. Each week, mothers are still spending nearly twice as long as fathers doing unpaid domestic work. Yeah. And so it's like... It's like everybody sees the elephant in the room, but nobody wants to move it. They're just <laughs> living. They're just living. We're all just living with an elephant. Yeah, yeah. And it's exhausting. And so they're just the, – the men and boys are just – they're not taught to look at the things that we look at as women mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the mental load is largely anticipating and monitoring all of those outcomes. Hi, Jack-Jack. And it's all the shit end of the process yeah. um, to do, and that's how gender program contributes to the mental load is, I mean, we still have all of these things that we've been programmed to do. And so it's just, again, that reinforcing wheel of not being able to figure it out. <laughs> Are you okay? Yes. <laughs> Sorry, okay. I get distracted. <laughs> My cat was chewing my hair and <laughs> I was trying to listen, but. No, you're good. I saw really Jack hard. making his cameo. <laughs> yeah, I 100% see how this plays out, right? Like at the end of the day, we still just kind of model what we end up knowing. And I, oh, I'm curious like how, um, and it might be too early since Warren is really only like three, coming up on three and a half ish, but I, I often wonder in our house if, you know, like Hudson is responsible for probably like a lot of chores that would be considered like, like he, like, um, more feminine things that Mm -hmm. would normally have you know, like he has to empty and load the dishwasher. He has to help take care of the cats. Um, Nora, we are still working up to one whole chore of feeding three animals and not losing our shit. (laughs) So sometimes, unfortunately, because Hudson is like, has a much calmer demeanor, <laughs> he ends up doing a little bit more, you know, and like, we'll, we'll be like, you need to go help Willa get dressed. You need, you know, like, so we, mm-hmm. so some of those more like caretaking things where we'll be like, it's your job to get her like in and out of the car and get her like buckled into her car seat and stuff like that. Um, But at the same time, there is like so much it's so interesting because I still think that like they tend to model like what they see. see. And, you know, so like Willa, for example, is this like delightful little shadow who looks around and notices that there are plates, dirty plates sitting in the living room. And so without being asked, At three, she will pick them up and take them to the kitchen and then come back and say, Mama, I put the plates away. Whereas like Hudson, who is nine, has just been like eating cereal and dropping it on the living room floor and crushing it into the couch. And then he gets up and 
you know, like throws his trash on the floor and just like, you know, totally just mm-hmm. because that's, I shouldn't say that my, I, I shouldn't say that's what they see happening. <laughs> that's what <laughs> like, that's Eric does. Eric doesn't He's just like sit in his chair and... and like let food fall all over the floor while he watches TV, <laughs> you know, but like he'll eat watching TV and he'll just like set his plate on the end table next to. Right. And then like it doesn't necessarily like it doesn't necessarily make it to the sink, right? Right. Like, but I would walk by and I will see it and I'll be like, oh, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm already on my way to the kitchen. I'll just take this to the sink. Yeah. Kind exactly. of thing. And so it's I'm I will be curious, like once Warren is like old enough to really mm-hmm. like years. Because sometimes I look at it and I go, is it like an oldest child to a youngest child kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Is it um, you know, like a gender thing, you know, I'm just, I'm just, how much of it no, absolutely. is how much of it is nurture. <laughs> right. No, I totally see what you're saying. And with my oldest three being all girls, I definitely see like the traditional birth order mm. personality traits are really strong at our house. Yeah. So like Sh- Charlotte is very responsible and she is does a great job of cleaning up after herself. She is responsible. Like she doesn't need reminders in the morning of what needs to be accomplished from wake up to leaving for school. Right. Like her stuff's just done. Where Fiona, the second child, is only 18 months younger than her, has been going to school only a year, like grade-wise – they're right. only grade apart. One, yeah. But Fiona, we still need to be like, did you get your water bottle? Did you pack your lunch? Did you brush your teeth? Did you and we need to go through all the things? And so mm-hmm. it will be interesting as or as Warren gets older, and then when Willa and Nora get older with my oldest being a girl and your oldest being a boy, and yeah. seeing what trickles down with us having very like similar yeah. feelings on gender norms <laughs> yeah. and who's responsible for what. Um, but yeah, right now Warren's just a honey badger. Like I said, right. he's, just, he's, he's just an animal. He's, he does, there are certain tasks that he will do and listen to. Um, we have a non-negotiable of like cleaning up after supper. Like you are responsible for your plate, utensils, and cup. And so he is really great about taking his stuff up to the sink. Um, he has a really hard time between paper and plastic plates, though. Mm-hmm. So that's really confusing. So sometimes we'll find paper sure. plates in the sink and plastic plates in the trash. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> but yeah, oh, we'll give him some yeah. grace there. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be it will be interesting because also I I feel like ours so it's funny because I don't feel like the birth order personality traits are as strong in ours. I definitely see like some of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but I would say like Willa is like probably like the most agreeable and like easy flowing out of all of them. You know, like mm-hmm. she's totally happy to like help out she like but 
you know, on the flip side, it, it's interesting. I feel like they kind of have like this mix because she also does understand that she is the baby and people tend to think she's very, very cute. And she plays yes. that card often. Like it has been yeah. a sore subject as of late with the older two that like she always gets her way. And the the reason is because she's two. And like that has gotten old. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, it'll be it, – it, It'll be interesting to see just like how it how it plays out because I think like you said, we're both very like we try to be very conscientious of yes. not being so like this is what a um a man takes care of, so this is what a boy learns to take care of and you know, right. vice versa. So i am curious to see like yeah. where keep listening to us in three years and we'll circle back. <laughs> we'll circle we'll back. We'll let you know how it's we'll turned out how that goes. <laughs> But yeah, so another piece. Um, oh, go ahead. No, you're good. Oh, okay. I'm listening. <gasps> listening. Yeah, so another piece um, that I found interesting was that women say that they're solely charged with handling their child's well-being and being attentive to their emotions and relationships. And that evidence supports leads to lower satisfaction with their partner in their life, as mm-hmm. well as feelings of being emptiness. And I, I, I kind of go back to that like sponge analogy we used in a previous episode yeah. where we are just wringing our emotional support out. And then, so then that leaves us like actually empty and with less emotional bandwidth, you can't connect to another human yeah. in an emotional way. So it just makes sense that that would lead Mm-hmm. Um, and this was, this was still, it, it was included whether that woman felt unconditionally loved and accepted as well as how they viewed imp- intimacy with their partners. So yeah. even with taking all of those variables into account, um, this researcher found that being solely responsible for child's emotion emotional development was negative related to the woman's well-being and satisfaction with their relationship. Yeah. So should we say that again for the men (laughs) listening? A little bit louder. Being responsible for a child's emotional development Mm -hmm. was negatively related to the woman's well-being and the satisfaction with their relationship. So having a partner in cultivating that emotionally intelligent child gets leaves us with bandwidth to emotionally connect with our partners. Yeah. Yeah. I also think too, this is, this is interesting because we have had this conversation in various forms of our relationship. And one of the things, you know, like, because Eric will be like, I miss like having time with you. Like, cause there's, you know, most nights I'm just like, oh my God, like, yeah. I'm- <laughs> I have been like talked at for the past five hours straight since I picked the kids up from school and they went to bed and like somebody always wanted to like sit on my lap or hug, you know, like, and it's all like this, you know, like I want to soak all of that in. Um, But then I get to bed and I'm like, please stick. I don't want to hold your hand and watch TV. I'm good. Thank you. (laughs) Like, please get your kneecap off of my side (laughs) of the bed. And you know, we've talked about, you know, we've talked about it just in context because his like love language is touch. So he's like, mm-hmm. I'm not even here for sex. I'm just like, here. I just right. want you to 
me too. And I'm like, here, yeah, touched out. Like I yeah. don't, you know, and, but we've also talked about it in terms of attraction because, and it's been hard to explain that like over time, and especially like as we add more kids on, like the attraction changes, right? Like when I right. met my husband and we started dating, like he had a, a six pack and like was in ROTC and, you know, like I was just like, you look good and I like your personality. So, and like we have fun together and that's like all it yeah. took to be like, attracted to him, right? Like he yeah. treated me really well and he was really respectful. It was like, you know, I was attracted to him because of the way that he treated and acted toward me. Towards you, and right. now that we have three children, I it's hard to explain sometimes and it's been hard to like wrap for him to kind of like wrap his head around. I'm like, our day, like my attraction to you now also like the level of it on any given day also is like very strongly tied to how you're interacting with the kids. Yes. So like if you are like a grizzly bear that day and like just sort of like cantankerous to deal with and like you're kind of on the kids about their like about like inconsequential consequential shit and like mm-hmm. whatever. You know, like if you guys spend all evening bickering or arguing or yelling at each other because you're just one of you is having a bad day and the other like can't absorb that emotion, then like when when the kids go to bed, I'm like, I'm good. I'd like yeah. some alone time. Like I'm not I like I'm not thinking about being intimate with you. I'm not thinking about mm-hmm. like you. <laughs> I'm just, like, oh, right. You know, it just, and like, it's hard to explain that like over time, my attraction has changed or the way that I'm attracted has changed because I think largely for him, like it's been the inverse, right? Like, yeah. He's still like, hey, like you look hot. And right. I'm like, you know, I've seen you like go through childbirth and that's really impressive. And now I like <laughs> love you even more. You know what I'm saying? Right. Absolutely. And I'm like, I'm like, it's just we're like, you know, going different ways on the road here. And mm-hmm. and so it's hard sometimes to like bring yeah. them together. The attraction is just, it's just, it's like almost more complicated. It is. No. It is. That's what I've because told, I've said. It's, like it's we just so keep like the attraction that I feel and the ways to get me to be attracted to you. Mm-hmm. There's more layers to that yeah. onion. A hundred percent. But like so today. <laughs> Sorry, like I trapped full- you with my scallions, but now I'm like a full grown <laughs> onion. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm gonna need you to peel back those layers. And yeah, 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 yeah. You're gonna have to find it. Um, but today, so today was a perfect example because because I took a me day, and so I had very little interaction with any humans other than me and my pillow. And so tonight, after we got the kids to bed, I sat down on the couch with Jess. Normally, I would just jump right into podcast prep, but I sat there on the couch and he had his arm around me and we just sat there talking and I was like, I miss you. Yeah. Because I had the bandwidth in that moment to like feel that feel of like, 
being physically close with my husband and feeling like we haven't been able to here for whatever reason in the last week or two because we've been busy um, and I wasn't feeling well. And so it's just like, it's like exhibit A. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You see, like when I took care of myself, it turns out I want to work on us too. And I want to be with us. Yeah. We, we have this conversation too, because, um, Eric will say, you know, like I need to be close to you and I want to like touch you and I want to love on you and things like that. Because when things are chaotic, like I need that to feel connected to you. And I go, yeah, see, I don't want to do any of like, I don't like think about being like physically close to you because I need to feel connected before I go, oh, I'm going to sit down on the couch and like snuggle up with you or like, you know. Um, So it's it's just such an interest. And again, like it's – that's so much different than like when we first got married. Absolutely. When we first got married and all we had was a diabetic cat to take care of, (laughs) you know. There was so much more time for activities. Yeah, and now absolutely. I'm just like sometimes it feels like we're just like ships passing in the night, and uh-huh. that doesn't, you know, it leaves me feeling indifferent. It's not good right. or bad. It's just the way life is, and then like I have to actively think about like being different. Absolutely. So. Um, oh, something else that the that the um, article I read mentioned was that stereotypical expectations about what constitutes men and women's work um, isn't simply like an outmodeled relic of past generations. It even persists among LGBTQ families as well as millennial families. So, like, this yeah. isn't. It's clear that this is like just like so indoctrinated in us as humans it doesn't matter yeah. what who we love essentially yeah um, I'm, I'm excited so we have a we have an episode it's not kind of in this initial run of like the first 12 but we I'm excited because we do have an episode planned after that to specifically like go through and do like a, a real deep dive into um lgbtq plus couples and relationships mm-hmm. because I think it's I, I think it's interesting that it still falls like on you know kind of into like gendered roles to some degree but also I I will be fascinated because I think like there's also there's so much more um fluidity in terms of like gender on a spectrum I right. like I'm so curious to see how that plays out and like, you know, how it affects and kind of changes or if it affects and changes. Right. Right. Until load significantly. So that is coming. That is something that we want to do. I just wanted to slip yeah. that in. We're not, we're not glossing over it because <laughs> we're, because, um, we don't have much to say about it. We have so much to say about it. We're, we're doing a separate episode. So. Yeah, absolutely. So Caitlin. Yeah. Should we just not give a fuck anymore? Should we just care less? Do we just care less? That's <laughs> that is ugh, a question. No, the answer is no. So right. this this 
came up this particular topic because my husband sent me a reel and it was like, as Angie and I were sort of like in the thick of planning out the content for this podcast and it came across with like no context, which I mean, to be fair, like every reel he sends me comes across with no context. <laughs> but most, like, you know, all of them generally, like it's very obvious what the context is as soon as you read it right. or watch it. But this one like came across with no like, hey, either like this would be good for your podcast content or hey, you should think about it like this. So essentially what this reel was is this lady who was like, I forget what the like title text of the video was, but she starts to explain that very similarly to what we're talking about here today, which is like women were taught to care about their house and their kids. And that's where their value comes from. When men were taught that their value comes from being breadwinners and protectors, providers and protectors. And she was like, so women like you should stop telling your dad or stop telling your dad, your dad. <laughs> where have we gone wrong? <laughs> you should stop telling your husbands or trying to convince your husbands that they will be happier if they clean the crumbs off the counter because they won't be. That's not what they were taught to value. That's what you value. She was like, you should instead convince them that you will be happier when the crumbs are cleaned up and therefore they will be happier. And she was like, men will do a lot of stupid shit to make women happy. And so like you're tracking up to that point, right? You're like, right. okay, okay, I get it. Um, but then she ends by saying, also women, you should just care less. And I remember I like immediately forwarded it to you and I was like, yes. I, I don't even know what, what? I was yes. like, something about this is not sitting with me right. And you were like, well, wait a second. Why should we be expected to be okay with working full-time outside the home and caring? Like, why should we, why should we be? be expected to care about it all and they are told that we should care less. Like why why don't they just care more? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like, why no, should I, we be happy? Why should we be happy lowering our standards? Why shouldn't they be happier raising their standards? And going, right. you're right. I don't think our counters should have crumbs on them every morning from the mm -hmm. night before. Yeah. <laughs> it just like like I it's one of those things where like Okay, like generations and generations of of women have settled for mm -hmm. less. And so yeah. like maybe we're the generation that doesn't have to. And so like instead of us settling, why don't like we just meet our partners both like our care meters. If our care meter for the house is a foot long and their care, care meter for the house is half a foot long, like why don't we just both care 75%? Right. Or somewhere yeah. Between somewhere in there, like somewhere, somewhere. somewhere. a good old fashioned compromise, yeah, like an actual compromise. And so, like, like yes, we probably we shouldn't hold our value and worth as women in the tidiness of our household 
or yeah. the cleanliness of our children, but like also like a cleaner, tidier home and clean, tidy children just make things work better. Yes. If the counter's covered in crumbs, then we can't effectively cook a meal without cleaning them first. So like, yeah, let's just work together. And so that they, they like the clean surface is ready. It's like that anticipation of the mental load process. We're anticipating, you know, having to use this kitchen again in a matter of hours. <laughs> and so we should probably make sure it's ready for us. Right. Yeah. It's to me, it was just like, it just didn't sit well because I was like, this, the this is the problem being like, right. women just care less. Like what? Like what? why? Like would I, would like, would you say to me if I was I don't know, like studying to get my master's degree and I was like struggling, would you be like, well, just care less about how good you do on that assignment or like care less about getting your degree? Like what? No. I would never just like actively tell somebody to care less about something. Right. Right. (laughs) Unless, you know, like unless it was bad for them, you know, like if my husband was like in in like some sort of toxic friendship, you know, (laughs) then I might be like, I I really, really, I can't visualize that at all. But (laughs) if for some reason he is um, inhabited by aliens and becomes part of a toxic friendship, you know, then I'd be like, I think you should care less about this person. Right. Or this friendship. But like, it's not, we don't need to be discouraging people always. <laughs> like, right. Like, it's just, it's so bizarre to me. You would never just tell someone to care, care less. So like, it answers, it answers the second question on our little content brief here. Should men care more? Yeah. Yeah. You should. should. You should care more. <laughs> right. Because, but here, like, okay, why should you care more? In my opinion, I think it is for, yes, it is for the health of your relationship. Like you're not going to like get, like I'm not going to get super excited and you're not, like I'm not going to feel like it's revolutionary if you get the kids to bed by yourself on time one time. Right. Like good for you. You caught them on a good night. Like Right. They don't do that shit every day, you know, but why, like, why should you care to do more is because I think there's so much at stake for it. Like going back to the top of the episode, it is a better relationship with your partner in the household. You're creating bandwidth for your spouse to feel better toward you to, or to feel anything towards you because the bandwidth hasn't been soaked up by somebody else. And it also allows you to connect more with your kids. Like Mm -hmm. for all, for as frustrating as, as it is for me to feel like I am the sole keeper of all the stuff and things in my household, in a lot of those mundane tasks, is also where I connect with my kids the most. It's where I learned learn the most about them. Absolutely. Like 
is getting out the door to school on time every day, does it seem to surprise everyone every morning, even though we do it every fucking day? Yes. <laughs> However, <laughs> on the ride to school, I hear so like I get asked so many random questions that like I'm like, oh, I didn't even know you were thinking about that. Right. I didn't really, you know, or somebody will have something to say. Like it's where I, you know, the car ride home is where I've learned about bullies on the playground. It's where I've mm-hmm. learned about um crushes, like all of those things. Yeah. I learned in like the mundane day-to-day operation things, like right. putting putting the kids to bed um, inevitably because children believe that bedtime is the best time to suddenly open up and have thoughts yeah. in, about their day and to share them with you. Yes. Not when you ask them at the dinner table. Right. When you've got plenty of time to discuss, it is a stall tactic to get out <laughs> of going to bed. But it benefits us to some degree. (laughs) But it does benefit you because that, you know, like that's when, that's the time of day when like Hudson is the most vulnerable and the most open. He'll talk about like how he's really feeling about something or if something is bothering him. Whereas like I will ask him multiple times throughout the evening, like I'll ask him when I pick him up and I try not to just say like, how was your day? Um, you know, I try to ask like, was there anything good? Was there anything mm-hmm. interesting? Something bother you today? And like most of the time, unless he's like genuinely like very upset about something, nine times out of ten, he's going to say like everything was fine, and he's going to have right. like breadcrumb thoughts about it. Yes, if I'm lucky. But the second I lay down to like read a book with him and like snuggle with him a little bit before he falls asleep, that's when like it all comes tumbling out and like Absolutely. he opens up about everything. So that's that's the stuff that's at stake for men. Like so I don't think we should care less. Like I think there's a lot of value and a lot for you to gain men by caring more. Absolutely. I think I think those mundane tasks, especially when you're able to be one-on-one with our family having four kids, it is difficult to get that like one-on-one time with a kid. And so doing those mundane tasks of driving them to soccer practice or laying down and tucking them into bed, like it is a time for them to just be them and you. And I think that that is just such there. It's these beautiful moments. Yeah that people could potentially be missing out on because they're not caring enough. But I don't think – but see, I don't think that they realize that that's what it's at stake. Yeah. I don't don't think so. I I had this conversation with um, one of Eric's aunts um, at Thanksgiving, uh, you know, and like her and her husband are both just like recently retired within the past couple of years. Um, all three of their children are like grown adults. They've got several grandchildren, you know, like the, and I was telling her kind of about this project that we were working on and I 
I didn't know what to expect. I kind of like just sort of expected from like like anybody older than us really like right. the generation before us like our mothers our aunts I sort of expected like an oh that's cool. Right. But instead like I was shocked when she was like oh like yeah 100% yes this was an issue with us too and that was one of the things that she said she goes you know I regretted not asking or quite frankly, she's like just telling him that he needed to be involved more because she was like he didn't – when by the time the kids were older, he didn't know them as people because right. he didn't have those moments with them where they opened up or he saw you know, or overheard the chit-chat between friends mm-hmm. as he was carting them to – the birthday party or whatever, right. you know? And she was like, I, I wish that I, she was like, I wish I would have known that's the, what the outcome would have been because I would have made pushed harder. Yeah. I would have right. pushed harder. Yeah. That's super interesting to speak to the generation above us. Yeah. It makes me no, I mean, cause this has been around for, I mean, I think this has been around forever. I think it's just, yeah the the cracks are finally kind of starting to show and we're a little bit fed up. Yeah. We're feistier. We're, we're done being bit. nice. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um awesome. Okay. So, I think that's it for today. If you have enjoyed our chat, please subscribe, like, share, rate, review us. It really does help other podcasters. Sorry. I was, let me start that over when my cat's not about to knock my microphone over. <laughs> now our past beat his cat's feeding. So he's, he's about to take shit into his own hands. Yeah. Um, his own paws, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's conversation. If you have enjoyed it, If you think this message is worth sharing, please help rate, review, or subscribe to the podcast. It helps other listeners like you find us and helps give us the feedback we need to understand how to make the show better and keep improving it to make this everything that you need from us. So we'll catch you soon. Catch you later. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Caitlin here with a quick break in the real talk to shout out some of me and Angie's favorite places and people. We don't actually have show sponsors or paid advertisers for the mental load, but we have a bunch of support from like-minded mom-owned businesses that we want you to know about, as well as some of our favorite programs and products we think you might like. If you're a mama in the Papillion area looking for childcare, Angie and I both love Our House Children's Learning Center. It's where our Spitfire little daughters became besties, so it holds a special place in our heart. All of our kids have gone there, and we love it because the teachers foster a fun learning environment with a homey family-style feel. I like that the teachers know my kids and can give me a full rundown at the end of the day, and that they support and mirror things that we're working on at home. It makes childcare feel like an extension of our families. 
Plus, it's high-quality, affordable childcare. Schedule a visit by reaching out on Facebook at Our House Children's Learning Center. Hey, it's Caitlin. In November of 22, I started working with Marcus at Thriving Lives Fitness. After three kids, I just wanted my clothes to fit better, and I wanted to feel confident in my own skin. What I love about working with Marcus is that he treats me as a whole person. He doesn't just give me meal plans and workouts to follow each week. He asks about things like my stress, my digestion, and my sleep, all things that impact my fitness. Yes, my clothes fit better after a few months of working with him because I've certainly lost weight, but more importantly, I feel like I've created a healthy lifestyle that can support my family and I long-term. I do earn affiliate commission when you sign up with Marcus, but as you know, we don't have paid sponsors. I do earn affiliate commission when you sign up with Marcus, but as you know, we don't have paid sponsors or advertisers for the mental load. So this is a very special recommendation because I truly and genuinely love working with him and recommending him because his program is legit. So if you are ready to make a change in your life and fitness, I cannot recommend Marcus at Thriving Lives Fitness enough.